We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Here I'm setting the pace. I'm your host, Alex Goldman. I'm joined by the president of the Jermaine O'Neal Fan Club, ladies and gentlemen. You know who it is, the one and only Michael J. Focci. Focci, how are we doing today, brother? Oh, man, I'm doing great. But after days where there's an intro like that, it just makes me miss Jermaine. Jermaine, come back to Indiana, all right? We, we just want to see you at some games, anything of the sort. But no, I'm doing fantastic. Always, always love to be chatting Pacer basketball. So tell everybody what we're talking about today. Yeah, so last week we gave our Eastern Conference standings predictions. So you're probably thinking, hmm, what do they think about the Western Conference? Eh, wrong. We're actually not going to worry about the Western Conference because it's not really important to us. We're going to be looking at NBA award predictions. So not only are we going to give our NBA award predictions, we're going to give our Pacers award predictions and talk a little bit about why we have these guys put in these certain spots. So, Faji, are you ready to go? Oh, I'm ready. You just tell me what award you want to start with. All right. We will start with, I think, the biggest one. The most valuable player last year, the winner was Joel Embiid. And the odds this year, I'm going to go ahead and read the odds. Nikola Jokic is the favorite, plus 400. Luka Doncic, plus 500. Giannis, plus 550. Joel Embiid plus 600, and then Jason Tatum plus 900. Fachi, I'm curious, who is your prediction for this award this year? And if there's any pacer that you feel like could win this award, who is it? I wish there was a pacer that could win this award, but just not quite yet. But for my overall pick of MVP, I'm going back to a former MVP, and that's Giannis. Oh, okay. Now, here's what I'm sticking to. When we did our exercise of picking our rankings of teams in the east i picked the bucks i picked the bucks number one and i i think that 
this is going to be a uh, a year that everybody remembers the Bucks as the contenders. You know, they switched it up. Adrian Griffin in at coach. Budenholzer is out. And I think that the Bucks are going to have a really good year. My runner-up, if I was going to pick one more, like as my, hey, you know, this guy will come number two, I'm going Luka Doncic. So I'm going with Giannis as my pick, but I really struggled to, to pick between them because I do think that Luka is going to have his time. Like I think if there's one guy who's yet to win an MVP, it's Luka. But I think that Giannis is the guy that is going to have a really special season with the Bucks as the one seed compared to, which is just far higher than anywhere that Luka could have the maps. Yeah, Giannis and the Bucks were one last year too. So it's interesting with Giannis. I I wanted to pick him because I really like Giannis. I think he's a fun guy to root for, but I couldn't do it. And then you talk about Luka Doncic, right? I just don't trust Kyrie Irving. So I think that their team could be anywhere from a top three seed to in the play-in once again. That's kind of how I feel about the Mavericks. I think they're kind of all over the place with the way their roster is constructed. I think that they got better overall on paper, but yeah, uh, the Jason Kidd stuff, that could be a little bit problematic. Um, I'm, I'm just kind of weighing that one out, but I, I kind of went with a familiar face here, Fachi, and the guy that was the favorite, Nikola Jokic. Wow, okay. I think Jokic could have won, should have won last year. He very well could have. It was voter fatigue. So we've seen this happen before where there's a redemption year. Like the voter fatigue is a real thing. So they like don't vote the guy that probably should have won. And if Jokic continues to be on the path that he's on after getting all the respect during the playoffs and the Nuggets winning the finals, I think there's a good chance that we might see Jokic win the MVP again and say, man, this guy should have really won last year. So you know, Joel Embiid got his award. We can kind of quit worrying about that. I'm not sure that with the way things are playing out with James Harden, that the Sixers are going to be in a great spot for Joel to get the MVP again and defend that title. But I just, I, I, I wanted to make the case for other players, but I just can't. I just have a feeling that even if he doesn't win, I still think you're going to hear people say, well, Nikola Jokic is the best player in the league. So that's just how I feel. I think Jokic should be the favorite, and that's what Vegas says, and I agree. I think he definitely should be the favorite because to your point on Joel Embiid, I think everybody started thinking, okay, you know what? Embiid's finished the runner up the last two seasons. He's had better years each of the, you know, the following years. Like what more does he have to do? Give him the MVP. And I just feel like it's like that was Embiid's shot. If he was going to win an MVP, that was the year. And I think that he's probably going to be, I don't want to say removed from the scene, but I think now it becomes more of like a, Jokic versus Giannis type of uh, head-to-head. And look, none of us named Tatum, but I think that he has every right to be in that category as well. But I'm going Giannis. You're going Jokic. I don't blame you one bit. I'm sure you're probably thinking the same. Yeah, absolutely. And then for the Pacers, I know you said there's not anybody that can win it, and I agree. But if there was somebody that could do it, it would have to be Tyrese Howard. Of course. He's the only guy that's able to even be in this conversation, but it have to be a miraculous season from him. I don't even want to throw out stats of what would be needed, but <laughs> the the most important part I, I would say would have to be the Pacers would have to be like a top three seed. Yeah. I feel like in order for that to happen, then there's got to be the crazy stats to back it up, but without the winning, there's no way it's possible. Yeah. It'd probably have to be something like you said, top three seed 50, 40, 90 club. He's probably averaging about 25 to 27 points a game probably 12 assists a game. I think that's probably the only way he could get it in there. Yeah. And that's a lot to ask. Again. It's a so. lot. It's a lot. You know, hey, look, that would be – he already did something that 
no player had ever done last year between averaging 20 points to 10 assists, shooting 40% from three. To ask for the stat line that you just mentioned is just like, wow. You hey, know, and I, I would get into existence. It. Speaking yeah, into exactly. Existence. I don't want to ever sell the man short, but, uh, you know, I do think that he'll take a leap, but we ain't ready for a top three seed just yet. No, we're not. So let's move over to the most improved player, Fachi. Last year, the winner of that was Utah Jazz Power Forward, Laurie Markkinen. Interestingly enough, here are the names for the most improved player. Odds per Vegas, we got Mikel Bridges, number one, Tyrese Maxey, number two, Cade Cunningham, number three, Jordan Poole, number four, and Alperin Shingun at five, based on the Vegas odds. I'm not going to read all the plus numbers. Nobody really cares about no. that, but curious any of those names stick out to you for the most improved player yeah you know it sounds kind of lame but i'm going mikhail bridges um look he's the odds on favorite right now and, and I, I do think yeah it's probably the lame pick because he looked so good last year in the 27 games for the brooklyn Nets. i still can't get over it he looked like two to three times the player he went from averaging 17 points per game to 26 points per game and looked like an all-star. I think that he will be an all-star this year. And I think that, you know, he's probably the guy that I got to feel more confident to say, okay, yeah. But if we're looking for a player to take a big leap, like kind of like what we saw out of like a Lori Markkinen, not to that extent, but I'm going to be biased here. I'm going to say that Obi Toppin is going to take a leap. I don't know if he'll be most improved player of the year, but I think that he's going to go from 7.4 points per game and 2.8 rebounds per game in 15 minutes to I'm going to throw out to like 15.7 points per game and about five and a half rebounds per game. So essentially doubling his production, I think it's going to be a big leap forward, but it's probably not going to be enough to win the mm -hmm. award. So I'm sticking with Mikel Bridges. Okay. So is Obi Toppin your pick for the Pacers most improved player? Yes. Yes. Okay. So for me, I was wondering if you were going to go a guy that we talked about in the last episode and that's Evan Mobley from Cleveland. Because oh, I okay. have him as my pick to win most improved player this year. And I try not to use the odds to kind of like help me pick who, who the person should be. Like the odds are usually right. So it's like to go against the odds this drastically, like Evan Mobley wasn't even in the top five. But I just feel like Evan Mobley, we talked about it. Cleveland's going to have a good year. I think Evan Mobley is going to be a huge part of that. If he takes that big next step, I think people are going to be like, oh man, we forgot how good he is, how special of a talent he is. And I, I'm kind of curious to see how he continues to grow as a player. So that's why I have him as like my it. 2024 most improved player. And then for the Pacers, I didn't even have Obi Toppin down because it, it was oh. just too hard for me to predict. I put Halliburton back in this conversation. And I know last year that he probably was in the conversation for most improved. Yeah, he but, was. Uh, I don't think he was a finalist. Maybe he No, was. I, I looked at it. I'm pretty sure he finished like seventh, but it was yeah. like, come on. This, this guy took a big leap, but with the Pacers not being a playoff team, I think it's kind of easy to, yeah. you know, uh, overlook that. Yeah, so I, I threw his name back in here once again for most improved, especially if we do make the playoffs, and it's like, wow, they did really well with this roster. But somebody else I threw in there, which you don't usually see second-year guys get it, but I threw Matherin in there. If Matherin breaks out that. onto the scene – it wouldn't shock me if people wanted to give him most improved votes. Now, I know there's a lot of people that get upset when you're like, yeah, he should improve. He's, you know, a sophomore yeah. from a rookie year. But it's like, eh, it doesn't really matter. I think that if he makes a drastic jump and he's like going from like good six man kind of six man of the year candidate to, wow, this kid is turning into an all-star potential kind of guy. 
that to me has me excited. So I could see the case for both of them for the Pacers. But other than that, I I don't see anybody else really making that leap for most improved. Obi Toppin's interesting because if he does have a great year, I think that that does make sense. But I didn't have him on my list, but I can clearly see why he'd be number uh, right up there with those two guys for you. Yeah, I got a friend who messaged me and was like, Hey man, taking your advice. I'm, I'm betting on Obi Top and take that huge. I was like, whoa, whoa! I didn't say money was involved, but you know, it was just like in my gut. I just feel like this is a guy who is going to be getting far more playing time, potentially a starting spot. Like he's hungry, contract year. I think we're going to see the best Obi Top we've ever seen. But I like your Evan Mobley pick. Um, I, I do. Um, so next we have Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, which you, leads me. You got the odds. Uh, I, I don't have the odds. Okay, so let me read them all real quick. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so Jaron Jackson is the favorite again to repeat this award. Giannis is second. Evan Mobley is third. Anthony Davis and Bam Adebayo tied for fourth. Joel Embiid and Brooke Lopez tied for fifth. Okay. Well, I'm just going to say it. I was at the edge of my seat because it's Evan Mobley, all right? I, I could <laughs> not help myself. Look, he nearly won it in year two. He finished top three. He led the NBA in defensive win shares last year at 4.8, fourth overall in defensive rating, and was the second youngest player to ever be named to an all-defensive first team. And just uh, the first time that a second-year player had made an all-defensive first team since Tim Duncan did it Mm. in year two. So this is a guy that if you're in the same category as Tim Duncan in anything, you're doing something right. I see him as a true defensive anchor in this league for years to come. So I think that the fact that Evan Mobley nearly won it last year, given how young he is, just shows that he might win a few of these before it's all said and done. I know Brooke Lopez was heavily in consideration last year, but Brooke Lopez is getting older. He is, and I think that we saw a really good season out of him. Jaron Jackson stud last year defensively. So I think it could be a two-man race between Evan Mobley or Jaron Jackson, or at least those two should be amongst the favorites. I'm going Evan Mobley and our defensive player of the year. I'm going Miles Turner. I think oh, that's man, shocker there. Yeah, exactly. I know. But look, I think Turner is going to be who he was in the past, but even with a little bit of a little bit of sprinkles on top, he's gonna bring <laughs> it even more. So I'm excited about that, and uh, you know, I just feel like Turner's going to have the minutes and the role and the experience in order to be our defensive player of the year. It would be nice to hear Miles Turner in the National Basketball it, Association it Defensive Player of the Year conversation. I I would love to see that for Miles for the Pacers and everything. And because I picked Evan Mobley to win Most Improved, it was hard for me to pick him for Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, mm-hmm. I did want to a little bit, but. There's someone I think I might even pick this person last year, and I can't remember. Hmm. But I'm sticking with it because I know that I picked him before. I do think that he's a really good defensive player. And I had this team finishing second in my standings predictions. That's the Miami Heat. I got Bam out of bio winning defensive player of the year. Okay. He's on here as the four, he's tied for fourth with the best odds. Uh, Mobley is just ahead of him a little bit. So I just feel like if the if the Heat can become that's two seed in the Eastern Conference. There's a really good case for Bam being that guy. I think Bam does so much defensively. It's He's just he such a special player. And because they might have a better record than Cleveland, I can see that being a reason why maybe he 
jumps an Evan Mobley or even someone like a Jaron Jackson. Now, Giannis, it feels like he's kind of like always been in the conversation, but he never gets the love that he probably deserves. I don't know why, but it's just like, oh, yeah, Giannis could definitely be the defensive player of the year. But, yeah, we've already given him a lot of love with awards, so we're going to look somewhere else. I mean, Jaron Jackson Jr. had a great year last year. There's no doubt about it. But I'm I'm, I'm kind of stunned a little bit that Anthony Davis is in this conversation so high up only because of the injury concerns that we've heard with Anthony Davis throughout his year. And then Brooke Lopez, like you said, he's taking steps back because he's just getting a little bit older. And I, I just like Bam Adebayo's versatility defensively, so I would love to see um, him win it. But at the same time, I, I would really like to see Miles Turner get his name just in that conversation because he definitely is a terrific defensive player. No, he definitely is. And for Bam, he's made it known that he really wants defensive player of the year. And, yeah, if it comes down to the record, if the record's there, he's got to be a strong candidate because he truly does do a lot. So it's a good uh, good pick. I w- we wouldn't call it like a dark horse, but definitely maybe not one of those top two names that, that everyone's talking about. So I like that. Which award do you want to do next? All right, let's go to the Rookie of the Year, Foch. And this is an interesting one because last year we had a player that was drafted third overall. or I think it was third. No, second overall. Excuse me by the Oklahoma City Thunder, Chet Holmgren. He did not play one single game, so he is eligible to be a rookie this season after having a full year to work with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now, you've got an interesting predicament now because Victor Wimbanyama is the hottest prospect, you know, since LeBron James. So he is the favorite to win this award. He's playing in San Antonio with the Spurs. Then you got Scoot Henderson, who's looking to take over the backcourt duties for the Portland Trailblazers. And you got Chet at number three, Brandon Miller at number four, and Amin Thompson in the top five. Four-year odds on favorites to win Rookie of the Year. Last year, Paulo Boncaro obviously won number one overall pick. I'm curious, who do you have for Rookie of the Year this year? Oh, and a guy that I was initially a little bit low on, that's Chet Holmgren. Look, nice. he's added that 10 to 15 pounds of muscle since, you know, since he was drafted, which feels like a while ago, but I, I think that it's going to benefit him because – he shined in, sh- in summer league against us. I mean, he was blocking a lot. He looked really good out there. And I get it. It's summer league, and it was our backups. But at the same point, uh, I just feel like Chet, if anything, is going to be a really good shot blocker. I think he'll be able to rebound, and we've seen the shot. It looks good. I think that he's far more NBA-ready this season than perhaps Victor Wembanyama could be. And I know that sounds like a big statement, but I feel like, Victor's going to have some times where he struggles a bit mm-hmm. because he's, he, it's just, this is a, it, it's a different type of game than what he's used to. And I think that that year off for Chet was probably really big in terms of the whole practice mentally, every, everything of that sort. So what actually sounds kind of crazy is I'm going Chet. And if there was a number two, I'm going scoot. Then I'm going Wembenyama. Wow. So, yeah. And I know that might be crazy. For everyone saying this is, you know, the best prospect since LeBron, I got him third, which sounds pretty wild, but I definitely have Chet number one. Wow, interesting. Okay, so I, I can understand the case for both Chet and Scoot ahead of him. And with Scoot, it's it's 110% contingent on if Damian Lillard gets traded. Yeah, so I, that I got to throw it there. I think that's going to happen. I would yeah. be shocked if he's not, and then he played with them. That would be a little bit stunning to me. I don't know how that's all going to play out. Definitely don't want it to get ugly because of what he's meant to that franchise. But the Chet one is very interesting because I went back and forth on this one. And 
I was tempted to put Chet, but I'm glad that you did so that I can go the other route, and that's Victor Wimbanyama. And the reason why I'm doing Victor Wimbanyama is because are we sure the league's not going <laughs> to make sure this guy wins the award? Yeah, I think that he's going to do some really interesting things that people are going to say, well, the Spurs are just a bad team. If he was on a better team like Chet, you know, or if he constantly had the ball in his hands like Scoot, then he'd be able to do more. But he's doing some great stuff there in San Antonio. He's just plays he's making nobody else in the league can make because of how big and strong, or not strong, but big and tall he is. And uh, just, I don't know. To me, it's just like he is the face of the San Antonio Spurs right now. I don't think you can you can maybe say Scoot's the face of the Trailblazers moving forward right now, but definitely Chet's not the face of OKC. There is a good chance OKC has a better record, which does help the case for a Chet Yeah, Holmgren. that's a good point. And that's kind of where I think that that could help. But I also wonder if he has like lower numbers too because they're on a winning team. And it's like, okay, Chet, you know, you're going to have a good season, but your numbers aren't going to reflect that. Or Wimbenyama could be having 18, 19 points a game, 20 points a game as the face of the San Antonio Spurs. So personally for me, I just feel like it's almost one of those things where you could overthink it. But I think that the reason why he is a minus 200 favorite to win it is because I just don't see any real situation where he doesn't win this award because of how popular he is. And I don't like to use popularity as a reason why I give somebody an award, but with the talent plus the popularity, I think that this is going to be almost, I would be surprised if it's not almost unanimous for him because of how, how voters vote. You'll hear people talk themselves into it. Only reason I'll say this. The only reason he could not win it number of games played. That's it. Yeah. No, that, that's that's a good thing. I think if it was equal playing ground and Chet was a real rookie, like flat out drafted in this draft class, I would lean Wembenyama. But I feel yeah. like we've seen in the past a guy like Joel Embiid when it, who had, wasn't a real rookie or Ben Simmons, yeah. things like that. It, the coward. Blake Griffin. Remember, you know, the, it, remember the coward memes that were going around? Oh, was, yeah. You know, uh, Ben Simmons, and, Donovan Mitchell, and, and Ben yes. Simmons. That was like a whole rival. The, the sweatshirts they were wearing were like, yeah. you know, th- there was there was some good beef there, and uh, <laughs> I enjoyed that for sure. But man, all right, so you're saying unanimous? I, I, I like it. Could it. Be. Hey, it could be, is what I said. But I think a lot of it is um, the games played is going to be huge. If he just completely sucks, I'll be shocked. So, oh yeah, well, I mean everybody would be shocked, but. I just think well, I think probably a little bit why I'm low on is he really struggled that first um, summer league game, and then he looked really good in the second one. So it makes me feel like okay, the expectations of him are through the roof. Yeah, compared to a guy where I feel like Chet can go out there and just kind of play freely, and I think that uh, he's in a little bit of a better team, which could get more attention, like you mentioned. So who knows? Either yeah. way, both really talented players that could be rivals for years to come, and also. I think it probably goes without saying the rookie of the year for the Pacers. I'm going Jared Walker. Oh, Jared yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Isaiah Wong. No, I'm just kidding. Oh man. Yeah, no, Jared Walker obviously would be the Pacers candidate here, but I don't. I would like to see him make second team all rookie. I I don't oh, know if he'll be able be to awesome. make first team. Nah, I don't think so either. But it, it would be awesome, and it, it was. It's also rare. We saw that Matherin making it was something that hadn't been done since Rick Smiths. On yeah. the Pacers. So all rookie first teams, not really something that we're used to. 
Second teams, hey, look, it's far more obtainable. Andrew Nimhard, uh, you know, just missing it. That that still hurts me. Gonna yeah. be honest. Chris Duarte but, made it. Yeah, Chris Duarte did make it, and a few other guys in the past. But at the same point, hey, Jarris Walker, if you could be an All Rookie Second Team, you got to feel like the Pacers got themselves a really good, uh, really good player, regardless of where he finishes. No, for sure. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So let's move over to sixth man of the year. And last year's winner was former Pacer Malcolm Brogdon. Kind of surprised, but not really. I think he had some really good moments last year for the Boston Celtics. And this year, Faji, there is a lot of different players that are listed here for the odds on favorite to win it. I could not find it on the original website that I looked on. So I had to find it somewhere else on a specific website. I want to say this was DraftKings. I could be wrong. So uh, excuse me if that's not correct. But the odds on favorite to win the sixth man of the year award this year is Emmanuel quickly after that Malcolm Brogdon to repeat Norman Powell Malik Monk Bobby Portis Chris Paul Caleb Martin Bogdan Bogdanovich Jordan Poole and then Benedict Matherin was all the way there at number 10 I I, I went that far because I'm like again I'm just gonna say 10 names because Matherin finally made it but like I was a little bit stunned that they had Jordan Poole on this list seeing that I don't know how he comes off the bench for, for Washington, but <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know how okay. that's possible. <laughs> well, we'll just go ahead and say it. And same with Chris Paul. Like, are we sure he's not starting? So uh, I thought it was interesting, but I wanted to give Matherin a little bit of a chance here to kind of like get some love, but we're not even sure if Matherin's coming off the bench. So that this is kind of all over the place. That was kind of tough because when I was going through this, I was like, look, I love me the NBA, but I don't know exactly what everyone's starting five is going to be. And and I started having that debate. Like like you mentioned about Chris Paul. It's like, you know, yeah, there could be a very well a scenario where Chris Paul starts a lot of games to the point where he barely even qualifies or he could be coming off the bench for the majority. We still don't know. But my pick over here is the favorite. It's Emmanuel Quickly. Nice. I think that Quickly was – Real good last year towards the back end of the year. And here's the numbers to break down. Over his last 51 games, he averaged nearly 18 points per game, four boards, four assists. Mm. The shooting splits really good, 47% from the field, 40% from three, 81 from the free throw line. I think that quickly entering a contract year and still 24 years old seems poised for a career year. So that is my pick. And the other guy that I really considered would have been Chris Paul. I think that he could be embracing a new role on a winning team. And I think that that could be something that's looked up upon pretty favorably. But I'm going with Emmanuel quickly. And for my Pacers, sixth man of the year, 
I'm going Andrew Nemhard. Yeah, I was torn on this one. I said Buddy Heald or Andrew Nemhard. Yeah, yeah, of course. Most likely to win this award. Yeah, Andrew Nemhard. I mean, if he becomes the best backup point guard in the league, he definitely has a case. You know, he's going to have some competition. There's a net about mm-hmm. it, but that'll be interesting. But yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna shock you here a little bit, Fachi. But Ooh. for me, I'm going Karis Levert. No, I'm just kidding. No, that would have <laughs> shocked me. No, I'm actually going to Sacramento. I'm going with Malik Monk. Okay, I, he, he was real good last year. I yeah. he really was. I really liked what they did last year, and I think that they're going to continue to grow as a team. I, the, the Western Conference is just incredibly loaded, and I'm kind of glad we didn't do the standings because I had a really hard time just in my head thinking about like who is going to end up being the top ten teams in the Western Conference. It is stacked over there. There is a lot of talent in the Western Conference. I think Denver's the favorites, but you got Phoenix, who's really good. Golden State's good. Uh, you're talking about both LA teams have a, a real a real shot. If especially if James Harden goes to the Clippers, like how much better does that make them? Luca and Kyrie with Dallas, and then you got OKC on the on the rise, and the Pelicans if they can get healthy, it's like, ah oh, yeah yeah, we're Sacramento fitting with this. So I'm really excited to see how the Western Conference plays out. But I think that Sacramento are really established. I'm thinking they're a very hungry team. They got a chip on their shoulder. They didn't do a lot of stuff to to improve the roster except for the internal growth and bring back their own free agents. I'm curious to see how they, they play, but I thought Malik Monk last year, when he had good games for the Kings in the playoffs against the Golden State, they usually won. When he struggled a little bit or didn't have like dominant games like where he's scoring 20 points off the bench, you could tell they were really missing that scoring punch. So I just feel like Malik Monk's going to continue to to keep playing great basketball. And if Sacramento can be a top three seed again, I really do think that there's a chance Monk gets some love for six man of the year. He's got to be in the running because I believe I'm, I'm very confident that he had the most points scored off the bench. This I think is someone did. who did not start a single game last year. So a true sixth man. So uh, yeah, he, he really looked like he was coming into his own and playing some of the best ball of his career after a few rough years initially with Charlotte. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that he's got to be amongst the favorites. And even when you went through some of the some of the names that are ahead of him, I think they're sleeping on Malik Monk because I do think he's going to be in the top three voting. And a guy like Emmanuel Quickly, who's obviously the favorite, yeah, that's the lame pick. I feel confident in it, but I do like your Malik Monk pick. It's not lame. It's a good pick. Emmanuel Quickly is a, a, a very – capable candidate there to win that award i mean a lot he could of times have won it last year he really it was really close but brogdon i think you got to give him that nod with the celtics being a better team like mm-hmm. i really think that that kind of weighed in there i do think a lot of times too like when it comes to like picking this award when you see the odds on favorite you'd want to be a little bit different than what the favorites are saying yeah. so it's hard to like always pick that because you're like man i'm just going with like the chalk i'm doing what vegas is saying i got to be a little bit different here so that did play a little bit into it with my head because I did go through and look at the odds before I selected who I wanted to, uh, who I would predict to win. So, yeah, interesting there. So let's do Clutch Player of the Year, which is a new award. The winner of that last year was De'Aaron Fox. Fachi, we have a lot of different numbers thrown out here, but the odds-on favorite, it is a tie, a three-way tie between Fox, Gilgis Alexander, and Luca for the number one uh, uh, spots or odds to win this award. Then you've got another tie between Devin Booker and Dame Lillard. And then after that, Donovan Mitchell, Anthony Edwards, and Kevin Durant to kind of round out the top eight there. I'm curious 
who do you think wins a clutch player of the year for the NBA and then potentially for the Pacers? This is a tough one. This is one where I just started laughing at myself. Just be like, what are we doing here? Like, what's the next award that's going to come out? Like, it was just like a, come on, man. Like, so I started going through this and I was like, you know what? I think it's Damian Lillard because okay. in this situation, I, I wanted to go against, against the grain or whatever you want to call it and just say, I'm not going to go with De'Aaron Fox who just won it. I'm going to go with, I think that if Damian Lillard gets moved, I think he's already coming off of a really good year, but I think you're going to get a national spotlight on Damian Lillard. And he's had game winners before. Dame time. I mean, he's had some big, big moments, but I think it's going to be more on the national scene for a playoff team. And I think that everyone's going to really remember like, oh, Damian Lillard, one of the coldest to do it when the clock's ticking down. So I'm going Dame. And for our clutch player of the year, it's the franchise himself, Tyrese Halliburton, a man hey. who had quite a few game winners last year. So I loved what I saw, but I loved him now being trusted to be the guy when it matters most. Hey, continue to build on that, Tyrese, because the whole fan base is behind you. Totally agree with Halliburton for the Pacers. I don't really think there's anybody else right now on this roster that makes me feel confident that they could be the clutch player of the year, especially with Chris Duarte out of Indiana after we saw how many clutch shots he hit to end quarters. But I will say this for the clutch player of the year. It's hard to go against the Aaron Fox after what he did last year, but I think there's a new guy on the rise and I think it's Anthony Edwards. And what's really funny is I listed all these teams in the Western conference that I just don't know where to put everybody. And I forgot to mention Minnesota. This is a team that could be a playoff team. So they're, you know, they gave the nuggets the biggest test last year in the playoffs. I, I think they matched up with them pretty well. I think Chris Finch is a very good coach. I think Mike Conley getting traded there really helped them. But I think Anthony Edwards coming into his own and, be, and becoming that guy is what's going to make that team have a jump like we saw last year from Sacramento out of the playoffs, you know, into like the top three. Like if Minnesota wants to have that kind of jump this year, not saying that they will, but if they want to, it's going to solely rest upon what Anthony Edwards does and takes and, and taking that next step. So for me, that's what I'm predicting. I've got Anthony Edwards winning the clutch player of the year next year because I am a huge fan. You heard us talk about this on our five players. We're hoping the Pacers could trade for if they became available. And there's a reason why. I'm just a big Anthony Edwards fan. I loved him in the draft. And I know there was some back and forth on, oh, should it be him or Wiseman or LaMelo? But no, he he was the right pick for Minnesota at number one. And I think that him being the clutch player of the year is very interesting, but I like it. I wanted to go Luca, maybe because Luca is just, he's so good. And, and so is SGA, but I don't know. I, I'm just finding myself to be more infatuated with the player that I think Anthony Edwards could become. Yeah. I mean, look, this is going to be that, that probably that spotlight year for him where I feel like the, the, the Timberwolves, you know, they've been a good solid team and Edwards is coming into his own. So I like that. And I think that Luca could easily be the answer for a lot of people because he does some unbelievable things that you honestly can't even imagine until you see him do it. So mm-hmm. I think that we had some good picks over here. Dame, hey, who knows? You know what? Yeah. We'll, we'll find out. I like your pick on Anthony Edwards. And at the end of the day, a guy like Darren Fox might have something to say about it because he was <laughs> above and beyond like the most clutch player in the NBA when they broke it down. Um, so that was awesome. And, and just it's not always the game winners you know it's there's a lot of different scenarios as to how you could be clutch because i don't know how many game winners fox had it might have been one or you know anything like that but he was just really clutch down the street 
stretch when it mattered. And that's what matters for that award. Yeah, and it's kind of like I know everybody made fun of Paul George for not having any game winners with the Pacers, but that that guy was so clutch for us. A so ton many of times. shots to tie it up, you know, things, yeah. things like that. Or maybe he'd hit what could be a game winner and then we blow it. You know, it, it was like that stat got so overblown as time went on. They're like, he's 0 for 15 on game winners. It's like, I guess, but I remember this man hitting clutch shots with like 10 seconds to go or 20 seconds to go or, or things like that. Mm-hmm. It's like if the ball wasn't in his hands last, you know, sometimes it'd be in LeBron's hands last or exactly even DeMar DeRozan had some nice plays against the Pacers and, and the playoffs specifically. But our last award here, Fachi, coach of the year, last year's winner, Sacramento Kings head coach, Mike Brown. I think the only person that could win this for the Pacers is obviously Rick Carlisle. So, you know, I'm curious, where do you think Carlisle fits in this group? But I will quickly run through the odds on favorites. Surprisingly, the odds on favorite to win it is Eric Spolcher this year. Next is Michael Malone. Then your boy from West Virginia, Joe Missoula. Hey. Uh, he is tied uh, actually for a second. So first is Spolcher by himself. And then you have a four-way tie for second. Mike, Michael Malone, Joe Missoula, Nick Nurse, and Mark Dagnall from OKC. Then you got Adrian Griffin, uh, Frank Vogel, Taylor Jenkins, and J.B. Bickerstaff. Rounding out like the top nine here. So curious your thoughts on who you think wins coach of the year. This is really tough. This one was really tough. I wanted to say Eric Spolstra because it's a crime that he's never won it before. But with the team coming off of the finals, like, I don't know. I just kind of feel like it's like, it's not going to be this. Oh, wow. They took a, he did such a great coaching job. He just did an amazing coaching job in the, you know, in the playoffs and on. So, but you're not going to reward him for that. So I'm really torn between Adrian Griffin making his head coaching debut and then Mark Dagnall, right? I believe that's how it's pronounced for OKC. So I really thought to myself, man, for OKC, I could see them getting Chet, you know, maybe them being like a playoff team, but they already took a big step forward last year when they made the play in. So I'm going Adrian Griffin because I think that that they're going to, the Bucks are going to be right where they were before. And it's going to be, you know, Hey, his head coaching job, his first time. So I thought maybe you could weigh that in as, oh, wow, great head coaching job. But I still struggle with the fact that you're already having a really good roster. Mm. So this is this is kind of the one that I struggled the most with. So I said Adrian Griffin. I don't feel great about it. I might want to lean as a last-minute pivot to Mark Dagnall because for OKC, I could see them being like making the playoffs, at least as the seventh spot. Still in the play-in, but making the playoffs. So I'm really struggling here. You tell yeah. me. Yeah. So it wouldn't shock me if somehow OKC like just like their expectations. I feel like are through the roof right now. Everyone's I think they expecting are them to be like this great team because SGA is so good. But I wonder if they take a step back or they, they could. stay around the same. I, I kind of feel like they're a team that's a very interesting wild card to me because they could be any spot. I feel like. I mean, I know I just said that with Dallas too, but I just. I like OKC's team a lot. I know that they got a lot of love from a lot of people, but I, I think that they're kind of on the map now where they really weren't, and they kind of put themselves on the map last year, so people were not really expecting it. Like, they're just like, oh, we're playing OKC. You know, this is a team that's in the lottery. They don't have their rookie. Like, okay, we're not super worried about them. But, like, even the Pacers took them down when they were fully healthy last year, and we didn't even have Tyrese Halliburton playing. Like, McConnell single-handedly won that game. So not saying that that was, you know – Anything that I'm like, oh, yeah, they're not that good because of that reason. I'm just saying I don't think they're maybe as great as some people are are, are, are kind of proclaiming them to be. So the Mark Dagnall, I don't think that's uh, 
a bad pick if you picked it, but I, I wouldn't pick it five. She and actually, I went with the odds on favorite. I told you this on the last episode that we did. I think Eric Spolster is finally going to get some love. And this is going back to how we view this stuff from a media perspective. Like every single person in the media, they overthink these things and then they give these guys, you know, love later on by messing up a vote. And I think that the way Spolstra coached this team as an eight seed last year against the Bucks to get all the way to the NBA finals, people are going to start saying, you know what? It's a shame we haven't given him an, uh, an award yet for coach of the year. So if they can get to the two seed with this Miami team or a top three seed in the Eastern conference, we're going to go ahead and vote for him because he should have already had two or three probably. And I think that you're going to just see voters have some sympathy for him, even though I don't think he needs a sympathy, but at this point, it's a bit of a crime that we have it yet is. to see Eric Spolcher with a coach of the year award, because my goodness, he's been probably the best coach in the league for the past five to seven years. Yeah, no, it's a major crime. I almost feel like uh, the league's going to come together and be like, we got to get this man one. We, we really do. There's certain things that it was like, it was a crime that Kobe Bryant only won one MVP. Like if he had finished his career, never gotten that, that would have felt wrong. Eric Spolster could not finish his career. We're not saying he's close to being done or anything without a coach of the year award. So if he won it this year, I would feel very happy for him. I've struggled in this because I always feel like it's kind of the guy who does the best with, you don't want to say the least, but maybe a team that you're not expecting. Like Mike Brown doing what he did with the Kings, taking the Kings from a 16-year playoff drought to all of a sudden the three seed. That's something no, no one could have predicted. So I think that he was absolutely deserving of it. And I really went through everything. And for a while, I had Jason Kidd written down because <laughs> I think – here's the thing. Look, I think that the Mavs can go from 38 wins to maybe 50. But I was like, is it really going to be Jason Kidd getting them there? Or is it going to be just the acquisition of Kyrie Irving and, you know, and a, a pretty good offseason? So I was like, eh. I don't think it's going to be kid. So, yeah. uh, and then that was maybe the hardest one because it's hard to uh, pick who that surprise team could be. We expect the Heat, we expect the Bucks to be good teams, but who knows what, what they're looking for, you know, overall. So I, I think that these were some fun exercises to go through today. I, I love how we, I don't think we had the same pick for any of them. Did no, we? I think we were all different on everything. That was great. Yeah. Nice hey. versatility. Exactly. Yeah, and I will say this too, one more thing about the coach of the year. Like, it's so funny to see how it all plays out. But one guy that I was kind of looking at that I could see potentially winning coach of the year is Taylor Jenkins with Memphis. If they're able to kind of weather the storm without Ja Morant and still be like a top five team in the Western Conference and then Ja comes back and they're able to kind of take that next step, I, I could see some of the voters being like, wow, he did a really good job finding a nice way to kind of mask that hole without jaw but you know picking up marcus smart was huge for them i'm kind of oh, curious time. to see how that plays out because you're starting five is when healthy john morant desmond bain marcus smart jaron jackson jr and stephen adams i mean that's a pretty good defensive starting five right there that's got offensive potential so i'm kind of curious to see how that team plays out and, and how their role players fit in with that team as well but they're deep enough and they've been deep enough. I think Memphis has done a good job drafting over the last couple of years where they could really showcase themselves as a team that even without jaw, they're able to win. And we've already seen that, but they don't have Tyus Jones now. So how does that impact their, their backup point guard spot? But I still just want to, I just wanted to throw that out there because I feel like 
that's a that's a team and that's a coach that probably if he's not on the hot seat he could be in the driver's seat and getting a, a lot of love for potentially coach of the year yeah no that's that's a good uh a good dark horse pick i think the fact for for memphis is they've been a good team the last few years but obviously circumstances are a little bit different but they still have expectations so yeah that would be something that uh, to reward him if they end up being kind of right where they've been the last few years, despite 25 games missed for Josh. So mm-hmm. interesting stuff. I think that the league is in a really good place right now where it's really competitive. And it's like I mentioned before, I don't know what team is really going to take that huge leap because there's already so many good teams. Like a couple of them that we went through, we talked about it, Sacramento Kings. There's expectations now. Like, they didn't make the playoffs for 16 years. Now it's like, okay, well, we kind of factor them into being a playoff team or OKC for a couple of years. Hey, yeah, they got all these draft picks. They're probably never going to try and win again. Now all of a sudden they're going for the playoffs. Team, mm-hmm. like I mentioned, like the Pacers, obviously, we're going for the playoffs. It feels like there's really not many teams that are going to be out of it. So it feels like anyone could be in it. So We'll see. There very well could be that surprise team that we are just not talking about right now that could be walking away with that coach of the year hardware. There always is, Fachi. There always is. is. With that being said, I think it'd be a great time now for us to wrap this up and you can let the people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram, at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook, Set the Pace. You can find us on TikTok, Set the Pace. Alex, tell them where they could check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace of Pacers Podcast. We can find all of our video content there. Check out our latest interview with Chad Buchanan, which is now up and ready for you to watch. Let us know what you guys think in the comments section. But with that being said, Fachi, if you're excited for the Pacers to maybe be a little bit more representative in those awards than we gave them credit for, then hit me with those three words. Let's go, Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.